Hello, I'm Mike Patra, and I'm the host of the Hoopball DFS Today podcast. Come join us as we go game by game, breaking down our top plays, fades, values, pivots, and talk overall strategy for both tournaments and cash games. And the best part, we're doing this seven days a week. So come check us out. That's Hoopball DFS Today. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Mike Patria for any updates, listener contests, and DFS information. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. A happy Thursday to you all. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Bespris, and we are on the penultimate day, the penultimate day of our reseeding, seeding, resumption, whatever the hell these this, this stuff is called, part of the NBA goofball 2020 calendar, and there's a game going already. It's the craziest darn thing I've ever seen. I love it. I admit I love it. Uh, but I'm not used to having to do the day's podcast while actively watching one of the games happening today. Can't get I can't get this thing figured out. So anyway, not a ton of reason to talk about that ball game on today's pod, but uh, we'll give it a quick 20 second preview. Uh, coming up on today's show, we're going to break down tonight's games. We have seven of them on the docket. Uh, well, you know, six considering the first one has already started. The second one begins in an hour. So we'll try to blitz through those. Very excited to talk to our own Adam King. That'll be coming up here in about five or six minutes. And uh, then a very, very brief recap of what happened on a shorter card on uh, yesterday, on Wednesday. So that's what's coming up on the podcast. Let's just dive right on in. Washington, a two-point favorite against Boston because the Celtics are resting everyone. Uh, hard lean to the Wizards. They haven't won in the bubble. I think this they realize is their opportunity to come out of this thing with any kind of good feelings. Nobody wants to lose all eight games in the bubble. Washington, I believe, I believe they're the only winless team in the bubble and uh, figure they're going to be coming out and fighting hard. We are, by the way, we're about halfway through the first quarter right now. So if I sound like a smart guy at the end, great. If I sound like an idiot, that's also fine. I threw $20 on the Wizards uh, money line, because I think they're going to win this game. I don't know how we get to that point. So far, it looks like it's going to be an ugly journey, but here we are for Boston. Everybody's out. I don't know who the hell that means is going to play in this game. You can throw darts at a wall, and early on, it looks like Ennis Cantor, but I'm guessing we'll get some Time Lord at some point. Whatever. Sacramento, three and a half point underdogs. We just found out that LeBron James uh, will probably only play the first half of that game. Kyle Kuzma is inactive. Guessing Anthony Davis also going to be first half only for Sacramento. Who the hell knows? In-game betting. In-game betting is almost the only way to do it right now. Other than, you know, if you've got one of those big storylines like we do on Washington. Milwaukee, they're resting everybody, right? No. As it turns out, they're not. It sounds like Eric Bledsoe is in. Giannis is suspended. We don't have a status report on Chris Middleton yet, but based on the fact that Bledsoe's playing, I'm thinking Middleton might also see part of this ballgame. And that's a big deal because if Milwaukee threw this one, Memphis would get to cakewalk their way into the nine seed, at least. And now it looks like they're going to have to actually go out and win a ballgame. If they don't, Phoenix and San Antonio play... Phoenix simultaneously has Dallas. They're favored by nine. Mavericks are expected to be resting most of their guys in that ballgame. Suns favored by a lot of points because of that. And a very high total, by the way, for both of those games. Milwaukee, Memphis, 230. Uh, Dallas, Phoenix, 236. Memphis, by the way, is a three-point favorite in that game. So maybe Middleton is resting. Uh, we shall see. Maybe they're not playing in the second half. There's so many of these weird little things. And it's why it's so hard to bet these games before it starts. Unless, like with Washington-Boston, like we're talking about, you actually know, you have a pretty good idea of what's happening because they're just resting all their guys for the entire ballgame. San Antonio is an eight-point favorite at Utah, which makes me think Utah is going to be resting a bunch of guys based on that line. I haven't seen the exact injury report yet. I know we'll get more information on that one as it uh, comes out. That ballgame starts basically as the Phoenix and uh, Memphis battles are ending. 
So San Antonio may already know if they're in or out of the bubble, which could dramatically change how that ball game goes. Bear in mind, that's a thing as well. So also another reason not to get in on this stuff before the ball game starts, unless we know, like, well, did Memphis, maybe they're up 20 in the fourth quarter. You might see San Antonio sort of pull their horses. There's no point in really pushing it if they, if they don't have a chance to actually to clear that hurdle. Portland, Brooklyn, uh, another game that Portland, you know, they're going to be laser focused on. Sounds like Brooklyn's going to be starting their guys. I think this is going to be fairly competitive, actually. I know Portland's favored by a ton, but, you know, Brooklyn rested all of their guys in the last one. I think they're going to play in this ball game. That's a big number. Portland hasn't stopped anyone, remember, in the bubble. They're, offensively, they've been outstanding, but they haven't stopped anybody. So, uh, slightly into the Brooklyn side, actually, in that ball game. And then Orlando, Ooh, I think they would like to probably get some sort of good taste in their mouth going into the playoffs. They're favored by four over the Pelicans. A lot of weirdos getting rested in these ball games as well. Live betting. That's the way to go on almost all of this stuff. The only one I would consider a pregame wager besides this early game is uh, Portland and Brooklyn because I think you're going to see Brooklyn actually do some stuff. I think you're going to see them try They've been knocking off big dogs in this, and I think they want to keep it rolling going into their weird little playoff thing. So that's where I'm looking on that one. Of course, we would say, and I would say, and you would say, might as well do it at mybookie.ag. My $20 bet on the Wizards this morning is at mybookie.ag. They're my bookie bet on uh, Twitter, by the way, if you want to give them a follow. I think they have contests where you can get in. One of our own guys, actually, Troy, over on the Hoopball Gaming Division, got selected or was it Devin? One of those guys got selected to participate in some Tiger Woods competition uh, for for free betting ducats. So check those out on Twitter. Uh, open an account with cr- promo code HOOPBALL. Again, the promo code is HOOPBALL. And you can opt to get a 100% deposit match and a baseball futures voucher. You can also ignore that if you wanted to and just give us credit by using the promo code HOOPBALL. Simple thing is... Uh, it's a $45 sign-up fee, not sign-up fee, that's the wrong thing, $45 minimum deposit to open up a new account, uh, so do go do that and let's go win together. Between the, the guys over on the gaming division and then the fun we're going to have in the playoffs here in the NBA, there is money to be had, and the longer you guys wait, the fewer opportunities there are going to be, at least in the immediate future. We're hoping to be with my bookie as a partner for a very, very long time, and you should join us now because, for instance, yesterday... I had an in-game wager that won that I tweeted about. Ira had his hockey pick that won, best bet of the day over in our uh, layup line for premium subs. Troy had his soccer wager that won. He's been very good uh, at soccer bets. I don't know the first thing about it. There's something weirdly satisfying about winning a bet on a sport that you know nothing about. And I did that twice yesterday, tailing Ira and tailing Troy. Those guys are over at Hoopball Gaming. But go do it with us at mybookie.ag. Promo code there is HoopBall. A big, fat, hearty welcome back to the pod for our buddy Adam King. Mentioned to you guys yesterday he'd be coming on today's show. He is, of course, at AdamKing91 on Twitter. It is spelled the way you think it's spelled. He's the assistant managing editor here at HoopBall. We had your welcome on uh, welcome on to HoopBall pod a couple weeks ago, but now we have the basketball is happening pod. How you doing, man? You enjoying the games? Uh, I am, yeah. When I get to watch them, it's it's we were just mentioning then. It's it's tricky to get them all now because a few games are often on before I'm even awake. So, uh, yeah, catching up on highlights when I can, and then watching the live games um, in between. So no, it's been good to have basketball back. Some wacky basketball and some weird rotations, but still basketball nonetheless. I've lamented on this pod before how jealous I am of, uh, your, your schedule of entertainment in Australia and how under normal circumstances, the games start at like what, around nine or 10 AM your time, right? Yeah. Something like that. It depends on daylight savings sort of changes changes that during the season but it's normally yeah around nine or ten o'clock so um and they they roll through to about four or five o'clock that's awesome uh, in the afternoon and yeah and then and then often depending on what time of year it is that'll roll straight into when our our evening football games start and um yeah so we we can sort of get 
12, 13 hours straight of sport. So that's, <laughs> that's nice. That's the dream, man. This is the only time that I've ever looked at the schedule and thought, hey, I guess I finally have it good here on Pacific time because I've got games starting at about 10 a.m. out here and running until about uh, 9 or 10 p.m. So I now have the 12-hour window. Yeah. And by the way, I want people to know it's not that you're ignoring these games, but when a game starts at 10 a.m. for me on the Pacific Coast, that's like 3 in the morning for you. Yeah, I think the earliest start we've had has been about 2 a.m., but um, 2 or 3. So today was actually a weird day to wake up with no scores. Yeah, right in time. Just in time. We're recording this game uh, as the Pacers-Rockets game is, uh, the second quarter is winding down while we're talking right now. So that's an indicator of what this is. And this is literally like, this is sunrise for you while we're recording. Uh, yeah, quarter past seven in the morning over here. So um, there's no sun. It's very wet, very rainy. Oh, but, well, um, you know what it I mean. Is, <laughs> it is, yes, everyone is waking up and getting ready to go to work. With a game at halftime, and that's now a good thing. So uh, finally, I get a, I get a couple weeks of uh, having having the better schedule here on Pacific Time, and that'll go away, I think, by the time playoffs start. I assume those games will probably be uh, afternoon and evening games for me. So that goes back to being... Your work day, which again makes you the uh, the coveted scenario here. So uh, let's we have, I had a, we have a fun game plan for everybody today, and and, and Adam and I we've been uh, tweeting about it because um, I don't know that we can send a free. T- I guess we could use an app if we wanted a text message, but we've been DMing about it. We've slid into each other's DMs to figure out what we're doing on today's podcast, and I thought it might be kind of cool, uh, or I guess we should say we thought it might be kind of cool to talk about players that have uh, kind of changed our assessment of them in the bubble. The what what do you think of me now kind of players and what it means for fantasy players moving forward. We've each picked two, and I think it might be, uh, you know, just from a logistical standpoint, we can just trade off here. So uh, you're the guest, which means I don't even need to flip a coin. You get to go first. Adam, give me a player that has changed your assessment of them in the bubble? And then we can kind of break down why and what it means going forward. Uh, so I had a few, um, as I had mentioned to you. So I've gone with, uh, first one I've gone with is Michael Porter Jr. Um, and my, my second one, which I'll mention in a minute, hasn't hasn't changed my opinion as much as it's backed up what I've thought about him for quite a while, which is... Um, Sort of something similar to to what you mentioned about TJ Warren with, um, while he has been surprising, it's also been uh, a, a bit disappointing because um, people are now going to be all over him come draft season. Yeah, we're wasting we're wasting it in the seeding games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so Michael Porter Jr. is m- my first one, um, and. So, I mean, obviously, chalk and cheese when you look at his numbers from the regular season to the uh, to the bubble. Um, but, of course, he, he's found himself in a, in a much more favourable situation with uh, the, the Nuggets being without um, a couple of players, Barton and, and Gary Harrison, and I don't think we even have word on when they're coming back. Um, and Gary Harris, of course, he's no stranger to... Uh, long-term injuries or, or, or seemingly uh, seemingly minor injuries that end up ca- causing him yeah. to lose a month, two months of, of games. So, um, yeah, that, 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 there's no real information there. Um, and look, I think given the way Porter's played uh, over the, the bubble, I mean, is he going to start even when these guys are back? I mean... I don't see why they wouldn't start him given the the way he's been playing. So, um, sorry, I didn't. I, th- I thought there was another. I thought there was a second after that sentence. So I, I apologize. There was a brief delay there. Um, so you know, one thing that I've looked at with the Nuggets, and and this is not one of the players that that we we were planning on talking about on today's show, but I I think we can maybe even tie Porter into Jeremy Grant a little bit because Paul Millsap it comes off the books this off season. And like you said, yep. with Gary Harris, like if it's not a groin thing, it's it's an abdominal thing or it's a hamstring thing. And so it's, you know, a month and a half, two months on the shelf all of a sudden. How does this, like this was always one of those things where we looked at him and we were like, oh, this is, this is an interesting basketball player, but with this team healthy, he doesn't get the playing time. And then 
I don't know. For me, it's it's massive disappointment again because it feels like he's exploded at exactly the wrong time. You want these types of things to happen when you can enjoy the fruits of it for longer than eight games. Yeah, it's going to be he. He's going to be. I mean, unless something dramatic changes during the playoffs, um, he, he's going to be pretty highly sought after. And and as you said, I mean, Millsap Millsap coming off the books. Um, I'm not sure whether they'll look at re-signing him, but I mean, even when Millsap plays, he generally plays 26 minutes. He he, he can't handle um, a heavy workload anymore. So, uh, yeah, look, I think I think what what Porter's done has been pretty impressive. Um, and in, in terms of the the back um, injury, which is what sort of caused him to miss his rookie year. Um, hasn't been any mention of of any ongoing issues related to that so we have to assume that his health is good and and his minutes have indicated that i mean he played over 40 minutes um twice during the bubble uh which is sort of unheard of i guess when you look at some of the rotations the teams have been using um and yeah he i mean he scored in in double digits in in every game um Rebounding numbers are interesting. I don't. I don't know if we saw his rebounding numbers being this good, but the Nuggets as a team aren't a hugely like rebounding is not a, a, a strong point. I guess when you look at Jokic, um, he will often get 10, 11 rebounds, but that's really just due to no one else being there grabbing the rebounds. He, he's he plays. I mean, as we know, he plays as more of a point center. So rebounds are there to be had, and and um, and Porter Jr. Obviously, he he seems to be targeting that. He he averaged um, about 13 rebounds over a four-game stretch there. So, um, yeah, look, I, I, he's he's been really impressive, and and I think uh, I don't know if I'm actually going to get him now in any draft next year because he'll <laughs> probably end up going too high. But um, yeah, look, I think I think based on on the time that they've invested in him. Um, there, there's reason to think that he'll just continue starting. I mean, he, he's obviously not going to touch the ball as much on the offensive end once Murray's back to full steam and, and if and when Barton and, and Harris are back. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Nuggets actually try to move off of Barton and or Harris next season. So when you look at, at next season, let's let's take the... Let's break this down from the both extremes standpoint. Let's say that those guys are... Still Nuggets. Gary Harris, Will Barton, uh, uh, Millsap, I'm going to say not a Nugget because they ain't paying that dude $30 million again next year. And mm. and they clearly have capable options to play in sort of that either undersized power forward, as we're talking about with Porter or Jeremy Grant slides in there and uh, and Porter slides down and sees more minutes at small forward. It's still, in my mind seems like he, in that situation, is the sixth man and sees at least 25, 26 minutes a game, even without, even if Harris and Barton are somehow healthy an entire season, right? Isn't that the floor for him next year? And if so, what can he do in 25, 26 bench minutes next season? Because, you know, I, I get it. He's a first-round value in the bubble, but it ain't going to be that good. No, it won't. And I mean, if you look back, uh, look back at his numbers from late January, uh, which is when he started sort of carving out a, a consistent role, and he was he was sort of bang on that that minute total you mentioned there of about twenty five minutes. Um, and I mean, you look over a stretch there of of about ten games, he he scored sort of. I mean, I'm doing the numbers in my head looking, but he, he averaged, it looks like, around 15, 16 points and, and probably about eight or nine rebounds. So sort of looking at a, a 15 and 10 guy, um, assists are a little bit up and down, but uh, the, the defense, I guess, is is where the, the questions might come in there. But, I mean, he even had some decent uh, decent steal numbers through that period as well where he was playing 25 minutes. So... Um, Defense is often something that that comes around for these guys. Um, so, yeah, look, I think I think um, conservatively you'd be looking at fifteen and ten with maybe one point three steals. Uh, percentages are generally pretty good. I don't I don't think he's going to shoot the lights out every night, but I don't think he'll kill you in in percentages either. So, 
Um, yeah, look, I mean, wherever that fits in into your rankings, um, I would sort of probably have him inside the maybe the maybe a third round, third or fourth round at the moment. But as you mentioned, people are probably going to be jumping on him. Um, maybe inside the top 20 who knows mm. wow yeah we you we i can't wait until adp number you you know that's my that's like my christmas morning is when we actually get yeah. adp adps on these guys cuz i just with a guy like him I, I don't know how we can we can guess right now we can make a, a a shot in the dark as to where a guy like michael porter might get drafted next year and it's we don't we don't have a clue you know cuz for most of this season he was super quiet like you said there was a stretch in january where I think that that might have been when both Barton and Harris were out as well, or maybe one or the other in that range. Um, I think Millsap might have still been out there as well. Regardless, there was that was the opportunity for him to kind of step up and do some stuff. And like you said, you know, nineteen and eight, eighteen and ten, uh, ten and eight, twenty and fourteen. That was that game against the hapless Timberwolves defense. Fifteen yep. and ten, seventeen and nine. These are these are still good numbers. Steel numbers, like you said, they were decent. Uh, eh, block a shot every now and again. Not much in the way of assists, but good percentages. He seems to me, and I think I said this on a show last week, he seems like a souped-up iteration of Lowry Markinen in that he gets you threes, he gets you points, he gets you boards. He That's generally his areas of specialties, but he does it without crushing your field goal percent. That seems to be where he has the leg up in that if you were going to make a sort of fantasy comp. Yeah, I think so. And and I didn't even touch on the three-pointers, really. I guess that's... I mean, you sort of expect everyone to be able to shoot threes nowadays. But um, during the, the bubble games here, I mean, he, he had four threes, five threes, four threes, one three, three threes. So he's not afraid to shoot it. Um, and it, it doesn't appear to really be impacting his field goal percentage there. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparison. Um, Markinen's one hit has always well two hits i guess has always been his defense and his and his efficiency so um if if porter is is better in both of those then you have to look at at Markinen and bump him up yeah and we were two maybe exactly and we were thinking about Markinen as a guy that could sit inside that 60 range so take that and yeah. boost it up and you know looking at a guy even in a lesser role where porter could really be uh like you said a top 50 top 40 type of asset yeah, um, yeah. All right, let me... Time, I'll, I'll, time will tell. That's right, time will tell, and we'll know more <laughs> after free agency as well. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Giannis got suspended right in the middle of us doing this show, so we'll... Oh, did he? Oh, nice. <laughs> um, for, his head, for his headbutt against Mo Wagner. Not that it matters. He wasn't playing in that last game anyway, but anyway. Uh, breaking news in a show that's going to be airing tomorrow. I know that's super interesting <laughs> for everybody. The uh, I get to go my first guy now. My first guy, me first. Um... My first guy on the list, I, I almost feel like I want to change my first guy to Jeremy Grant because now that we've talked about Denver, uh, that dude's on the list. But we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around to him some other time on the show. I just, I think, I think he could have a really nice year next year as sort of the, the quiet, unheralded one who has, during these seeding games, put up 16, and somehow he's just not rebounding at all. That would, that would change next year. But 16 points, he's two combined defensive stats, uh, over a three-pointer, top 55 numbers, and that's with Millsap still around, but that's that's not my guy. Uh, my first guy on the list is uh, Mikhail Bridges, who I've been gushing about on Twitter the last couple of days, and not so much his game-changing, but his willingness to do stuff within that Suns offense changing. Have you seen that in the bubble, too? He looks so much more confident. Just the last, like, one or two games, I, I don't know what changed for him, but he was already someone with a super fantasy-friendly outlook. If all of a sudden he's willing to actually take a few shots, that's a massive bump to his value. Yeah, look, I think he he looks amazing. And and as you said, I think a lot of it for him probably comes back to, to confidence and, and and having a good coach. Um, and, and just knowing, I, I guess, uh, that his role is secure even after those nights where he might struggle on offense um, because he his defense um, basically it holds up his fantasy game on those nights when he might struggle from the floor. Um, and, I mean, he does have those nights. I mean, one of the, the games in the bubble here, he shot 27% from the field. So, um, But he doesn't have to then concern himself uh, with 
worrying about whether he's going to be, well, not only in the rotation, but what his minutes are going to look like moving forward because Phoenix are obviously um, very happy with what he's doing and, and, and they see him as a big part of their future. So he, his minutes are, are in the mid-30s um, and even even up from that. I mean, he's had games where he's uh, in the low 40s. So, um, no, he, he's looked really good. And that started in the, in the uh, scrimmage games um, even before the bubble, he he was playing really well, and um, so yeah, no, look, I'm I'm all for for Mikhail Bridges, and and again, where where he goes next season, um, yeah, remains to be seen. I don't I don't think people will be all over him as much as they will be with with Michael Porter Jr. Probably just because he doesn't get the um, doesn't get the fanfare, I, I suppose that, that right, Porter he doesn't score. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't score. Um, but one thing you look at with him is during the regular season, he averaged about six and a half shots a game in the bubble. He's close to 10. That's a huge bump with only an extra, what, four or five minutes on the floor. Yeah. And, and I mean, in terms of their, their roster and who they've got out and that sort of thing, there's not really, you can't really sort of come back and say, well, they've got this guy out, they've got that guy out and that's why he's getting more shots. I think this is just going to be his role. I think he'll, he'll just be, he'll never be the the first um, or even second option on offense. But given Booker and the, the, the attention that, that he's demanding, um, he, he's going to get his shots. He's going he's gonna to get some nice open looks and his three-point um, shot is improving. He had five threes uh, in, in the game against the Thunder and then three threes against Philly. So, um, yeah, no, look, I, I think he's... he's uh, and I think if you talk to a lot of fantasy analysts, I, I think they're all in, in this same um, sort of with the, the same opinion on Bridges in that they, they've always been pretty high on him and he, he just hasn't had the confidence or or a secure role to, to be able to consistently improve. So I think we'll I think we'll see it next season. I watched him step into a three pointer in that uh, Suns-Sixers game on on Tuesday that I don't think he ever would have done prior to the bubble. It was just like, oh, Bridges caught it and then just fired, even though yeah. there was there were still like 17 seconds left on the shot clock, a couple more passes, who knows, they might have ended up with a cleaner look, and he was just like, nah, man, this is me right now. Boom, knocked it down, and you could see he was just playing with a different fire. The funny thing about Bridges, too, and you and you mentioned it, is the fanfare element of it. Even with this big step forward for him, he's still only averaging 12.5 points. You know, the the rebounding, the assist, the steals, the blocks, all that stuff is is relatively consistent. But if he... He's number 47, by the way, uh, in the bubble. If that... If these numbers held for an entire year, he would be a top 50 guy. And, and I know that right now he's a top 50 guy because there's 27% of the league out. But what he's doing with this combination of numbers would hold as a top 50 because right now a number of guys in front of him would absolutely positively fall out of the top 50. Guys, that where there's this weird sample size thing going on that you know just isn't going to hold for an entire season. So while, you know, the two guys we've talked about, Michael Porter Jr., he may end up, I don't know, like five to ten slots ahead of Bridges next year, but he probably gets drafted 30, 40 slots separate, if I had to guess. I think it's going to be a massive gap between them. Yeah, and look, I think um, looking at Bridges' numbers from from the bubble, he's only averaging 1.3 steals. So that that that's that's a flaw, a minimum flaw, I would say, on the defensive end. He's Agreed. going to be closer to two, I would say. At least one and a half, right? Blocks. At least 1.5, I would think, right? At least. Oh, at, at least, at least, yeah. And and as we know, steals and blocks have a big impact on um, on fantasy value. So, I mean, if he gets that up closer to two, um, then then you're talking I mean, about Rob Covington. You're talking yeah. about you're talking about a top 30, top 35 range, maybe higher. He yeah, could be look, an interesting value. Know, not as many rebounds, given. Right. True. <laughs> Covington Covington's getting a lot of rebounds for Houston. So. Yeah, well, well, playing um, center at at six foot six or whatever he is, that, that'll do it yeah, for you. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, no. Look, I think that's that's a pretty good comparison, I think, to to Covington there, and and with even uh, scope to have a, a more efficient game as well in terms of shooting from the field. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I mean, top, 
up. I mean, what's his ceiling? Top second round, top thirty, sort of thing. That who knows? Yeah, it's conceivable. All right, give me uh, number two on your end. Our our third player on the chart who's changed. I think actually, harkening back to what you said before, this player hasn't really changed the way you've thought of them, but he's giving everybody a new look or a new way to assess what he's done. Who's your second guy? Uh, so second guy is Bogdan. Um, and as I said, I've been pretty high on him for for a couple of seasons now, and, and just he just hasn't been able to carve out that consistent role um, that he needs. And it's it's unfortunate that that he's I guess he's um, finding form and finding that role has meant that Buddy Heald has basically disappeared. Um, so and but in saying that, I think that probably means that Heald is going to be looking to take his talents elsewhere next season. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he if he's somewhere else, which which then um, frees up some of those minutes for for Bogdan. But um, yeah, no, look over the the course of the oh, what's it been now? Two weeks. Um, he's looked really good. Uh, he's been a borderline top thirty guy. Uh, playing really good minutes, so he's over 30 minutes in in all but one of the games, and I think the the one that he didn't was um, it just a, a really bad night. I think he shot one of 14, one of 15 in that game. Um, so I mean, when you factor in that he's he's a almost a top 30 player, and, and he had a game where he shot one of 15 from the field, um, it, it sort of shows you how good he's been. So he, he had a 35 point game in there. Um, and it's really his assist numbers that that I like. Um, and I've seen a, I've seen a bit of him playing when he was in Europe and, and playing uh, in the basketball world championships and that sort of thing. And and I th- I think he's just he's smart. He's a really smart player and he sees the court really well. Um, and and so he he actually um, complements um, playing playing at that two guard. Um, he can handle the ball as well as a point guard does. So it gives uh, gives the Kings some options there when, when they're looking at running their offense. So, no, look, I think um, if he stays in this role and a little bit like Bridges, if, if he can if he can get some confidence that even after those poor performances, he's going to still hold his his spot in the rotation. Um, I think he could he could sort of come out next season and, and be a top top 50 sort of player if, if everything falls right yeah it, it's a weird one too and, and I have to um you know I, I have said mean things of Bogdanovich in the past because I you know and I'd, I'd stand by a lot of them there was a long stretch there where his fantasy game was was lacking you know you sh- didn't shoot the ball well uh he wasn't really passing it all that much I mean we look at like December of this year he averaged only two assists a game in 29 minutes on the floor that just wasn't enough he wasn't getting steals. He wasn't getting blocks. He was hurting you in too many spots. But since, and you you talked about Buddy Heald, he's he was the the rate limiting step there when Heald was moved out of his way and Bogdanovich became a starter. And certainly when De'Aaron Fox is out and he's the lead facilitator on that team, the sky's the limit. Even without a ton of steals, and he had you know he had plenty of them in in March. But I think he's probably going to always hover around that one you know point eight point nine per game type of thing. But with the uptick in assists, that's where that's where guys make their hay. And I, I think I wonder too. I don't think that uh, I don't think he'll go that early in fantasy drafts next year. Do you think he gets scooped up early? I, I think he slips a little bit. Yeah, I don't think he'll go that early. Um, uh, and I mean, this is it for for obviously in terms of him proving himself now because the Kings aren't playing beyond whenever it finishes tomorrow, the next day. Um, so people's last thoughts of, of Bogdan are going to be what he's done over the last two weeks. Um, so that that sort of might bump him up a little bit, but I think people will be hesitant just given his history of um, inconsistent performances. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even if you look back during during this season, and, and I think if you were to look at the season as a whole, if you, if you take out the last... Um, the, the seeding games here, you would say it was a disappointing season. So, I mean, on the whole, he, he probably didn't live up to, to the, um, the hopes of those that did draft him. But if you look back through the, through the year, there's actually chunks 
where he was really good for for a week or two weeks, um, and whether that was whether that was injuries or, or whatever it was that allowed him to step in there. But there's a, a run of uh, four five games um, back in mid November where he had uh, twenty and five. 25 and 10, 18 and 5, 12 and 10, 31 and 7. Um, so the assist numbers were, you can see that they're there. And then over that course as well, he hit seven three-pointers, two three-pointers, three, three, five and six. So he, he's he, he's a really, really good perimeter scorer, um, which we saw a lot of actually in the World Championships I've lost track of even when they were because 2020 <laughs> is blurred into one long day. Um, whenever the world championships were on and he, he was basically the alpha on, on, on his team. And um, he, he's an, he's an unbelievable shooter as well. So I think he, he has all the tools for, a, for a really strong uh, fantasy uh, game next season. And, and, uh, but as you said, I think he will be one of those guys that, that, probably falls a little bit um so yeah maybe he is someone that that i'll be able to get on my team and and hopefully he proves me right and here's a guy here's my last one and the last of our four players who uh falls into the michael porter jr camp of damn i wish he had saved this for another time because this is a guy that was already fantasy enthusiasts darlings coming into this year when I think a lot of us were like, look, let's wait back. Let's see what happens. And that's Derek White. With the issues, San Antonio, we knew they were going to have weird backcourt stuff going on. I don't think any of us knew it was going to be quite as goofy as it turned out to be. All of a sudden now, he's he's been, the, the sort of the shackles have been taken off and he's run fairly re- loose here in this, w- with an injury mixed in during these seeding games. Derek White's been incredible and it's one of those things where after a really rough season in San Antonio, sort of staring down the barrel of needing to go a little bit younger, guys like Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes, I don't know what their roles really were going to be moving forward. This, If this was just an offseason, and if this had sort of come back and gone quietly and nobody paid attention to what the Spurs did, Derek White might have been in that post-hype group for next year, guys that got overdrafted this season that disappointed, that could come back and steamroll the league next year. But now he wasted it. He wasted it on the seeding games. He was a guy I wanted to target next year. And Adam, I'm annoyed because I don't think I'm going to be able to get him again, just like you with Michael Porter. Yeah, I think he'll, he's been pretty good. And and I think, as you mentioned, there, there were some pretty wacky rotations in San Antonio. But, um, I mean, based on what we've seen, he, he's added a perimeter game um, or a perimeter aspect to his game. Uh, he hit, he's hit multiple three-pointers in, in every game bar one, um, which really opens up more playing time. I guess the, the one area that we mentioned, and I think a lot of the analysts talked about it leading into the season, was we would like to see um, White and, and DeJounte Murray playing together, but having them on the court with DeMar DeRozan really takes away from their ability to score uh, from three. So that was always a concern. How do you get those three on the floor together? But, I mean, given what we've seen, um, he, he's not afraid now to shoot it. Um, and he, he had four three-pointers in, in three consecutive games. So if that's, if that's a thing now for him, which it looks like it is, um, that, that solves that problem almost. And um, it's, it's pretty obvious that even without LaMarcus Aldridge, the Spurs have, have looked good, probably as good as they have all year. Um, and, and that's with Murray and, and White sharing the floor with DeRozan quite a bit. So, yeah, look, that's not an excuse anymore. So I think um, I, I think you'd be looking at... And, and assuming that, that um, Pop is seeing what we're seeing, um, he will... Yeah, I mean, he, there's, he'll, he'll be looking at 30 minutes a game next season, which which bumps his value up considerably. I mean, we all were yelling about it all season long, but something clearly did change for White during the the layoff, right? Cuz like, you know, the minutes are up, yes, but it's not it's not an insane jump. It's like 26 minutes became 29 or 30 minutes. So it's not, you know, 10-15%. It's not nothing, 10 to 20%, whatever you want to call it, but it's not the type of minute jump 
where you'd expect this level of adjustment taking place, especially from downtown. This is a guy that had not averaged more than 1.33s in any month during this NBA season. And like you said, uh, in the first five games of these seeding things, he went 4-3-4-4-4 from downtown on 9-8-6-10 and 9-3-point attempts. Looking at those games, I mean... I'm looking at his game log for the entire season. I don't think he had a game where he attempted more than six in any ball game all year before these seeding games. So I, you know, I'd like to look back at this and say, "Wow, Pop really screwed up by not playing this guy sooner." But do we know that he was ready to take the threes sooner? I, it seems like maybe he he worked on something in his game and it really made a big difference. Yeah, look, he he might have, and I think having, as I said, having Aldridge um, not on the floor has just there, there's shots to be had, and I mean, as you sort of uh, touched on leading into to all of this, and as most of us probably thought, we we didn't think the Spurs really had a chance um, no. of of even sort of coming close to to making the play in game, and and they're right there. Whether they actually get there or not remains to be seen, but. Um, so possibly he was just given a bit more freedom on offense and, and sort of told if the shot's there, take it. Um, and, and I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the, the Spurs and the coaching moving forward and whether Becky Hammond comes in and, um, and takes over there at some point. Um, and maybe, maybe she's sort of got in pop's ear a little bit as well. And, and, and sort of said you need to give these guys um, a little bit more freedom because they're the future of the team. Uh, so whatever he's done, it's worked. Um, but as you <laughs> said, it, it is going to mean that next season he may he may be jumped on a bit earlier than, than we had hoped. Do you think he'll get drafted in the top 50? I bet he goes a little bit after that. Uh, yeah, probably a bit after, I, I, I would think. Um, although, I mean... Who knows? I mean, analysts and, and um, ADPs they 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 impact like the given how much we talk about him, that could bump him up quite a bit. Um, it, maybe we just have to not talk about him at all leading into next season and, and hmm. forget he even exists. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, we just have to see if we can sort of brush him back under the rug somehow. I don't know how yeah. we're going to do it, but so my thought there. As, as sort of a closing, th- and then I want your closing thoughts on this, this exercise we've done. My closing thoughts on this exercise is that a lot of the guys that we're talking about, I think other people are talking about too. And for that reason, this, at least in my eyes, this is why there's always going to be a Dan Bespris old man squad. Always. Because yeah. someone like, exciting as he may be, Michael Porter Jr., someone like Michael Porter Jr. is going to get pushed really far up the draft boards and that just causes some very safe, obvious top 40 guy, top 30 guy to fall around too far. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, this is going to be so much fun next year. I'm going to go try to get Derek White. I'm going to go try to get Bogdan Bogdanovich. I'm going to go try to get all these really shiny toys. And then at the end, I'm going to look at my board and I'm going to go, I'm not getting any of these guys. But I am going to get these old dudes that are always there because there's always a rotating carousel of shiny names that jumps in. And it's just this year we sort of we got there a different way. Yeah. 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 Look, I mean, for every name that 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 climbs up and, and, and drags in all that attention, that means that there's a veteran that's just quietly sliding down the draft board. Um, so Daniel Tice, you'll be all over him next year. Um, <laughs> yeah, Covington. I mean, Covington's <laughs> an interesting one, and because people s- still still question, like when he's drafted in the top sort of thirty, like third round sort of area, people still question why you're taking him there. Um, they, they don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. There, there are just those players that, no matter how good they they look, and and they they just don't have that flash about their game that. Um, that gets a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people obviously who who play fantasy aren't as as diehard as as we are, or, or as a lot of people are, and so they they really only see the, these players that score a lot of points and and get a lot of rebounds or a lot of double doubles or high flying dunks that sort of thing. So um, there's always going to be that that portion of people that play fantasy who who are going to overlook these guys that um, and that'll be like 
like Mikhail Bridges, who who don't don't score a lot of points, but have really fantasy friendly games. So it's always going to happen. Yeah, it always will. And I I don't know. In my mind, I'd rather just hit a double in every round as opposed to swinging for the fences nine straight times. You're gonna you're gonna whiff probably eight out of the nine. And then what if you do hit one? I don't know. Is it really going to make that big of a difference? I think there's something psychologically about it where we as humans. We want to catch someone on the upswing. We feel like there's more value in that, to catch someone on an upswing, as opposed to just getting someone who's sort of already there but is getting slightly underdrafted. It's, I mean, even as I say it, it's obviously less exciting. You want the guy who's like, oh, yeah, I nailed it, as opposed to like five times in your draft, just like, yep, got that one, got that one, got that one. Yep. You know, I, I draft fantasy like an accountant, and that's not, I guess that's not that fun. Anyway, uh, your thoughts on the bubble, man, because I don't think we're going to talk again until after this deal's over. I mean, that'd be surprising considering that would be tomorrow based on when this is, when this is airing. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. What's, what's uh, on yeah, your no, brain? It's, yeah, it's been fun. It's been, I mean, any basketball is good basketball, so it's good to have it back. The It has made fantasy tricky uh, with, with players sitting out and, and having phantom injuries and resting and playing 12 minutes and that sort of thing. But um, fantasy aside, it's good to just have the basketball there. And we, we saw this morning that there have been zero new cases inside the bubble. So that's, that's promising um, and, and makes it even um, uh, sort of scope for, for next season. It, it gives me hope that, that next season will actually happen given that the bubble has worked exactly as they had planned. So, I mean, there's, there's always a bit of hesitation there looking at next season and how it's going to work. I mean, that's still unclear exactly how it works. And, and uh, we don't know we don't know what the world will look like in, in three or four months. So, um, but no, look, it's been fun. It's, it's good to have basketball back and, and sport back. So looking forward to the playoffs um, and, and the play-in games, the, the West. I think I messaged you yesterday and said the, the race in the West has been really exciting. It really, really has. And you and I will have to hop on a pod to talk about it. You, that sound good to you? Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we can always find time early in the morning for me to jump on. And, yeah. and you're in your apartment, so you've got time. <laughs> yeah, where, where the hell am I going? He is yeah. at AdamKing91 on Twitter. He is our assistant managing editor of all written events at hoop-ball.com. Adam, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks, man. Being good. That was our good buddy Adam King at AdamKing91 on Twitter. Before we do a quick survey of what happened yesterday, I want to remind you guys that all of our HoopBall podcasts are brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0. Help us out, guys. Let's keep that partnership rocking. We got to sell a couple more of these bad boys in the month of August. So if you've been thinking about it, now is the time. Go get the Lawnmower 3.0 coupon code is HoopBall20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order, whatever it might be. Lawnmower 3.0, the lawnmower with the uh, the blade, what is it? They've got like the the uh, the blade replacements to make sure that your, your clippers are always pristine. I got a text message from our buddy Josh Millman that has arrived, and he's ready to rock and roll with the lawnmower. So again, go check that out, manscaped.com. Promo code is HoopBall20. You will be happy you did. Quickly here, a recap of a four-game Wednesday. Not a lot went on uh, from a number of different reasons on that Wednesday. From the fantasy standpoint, because we're basically wrapping things up now. From the uh, playoff chase standpoint, because bleh, right? Uh, Indiana beat Houston in a fun one. James Harden had another monster of a game, and he's just running the uh, resumption. TJ Warren has plantar fasciitis now as well. Apparently, he's ready to go for the playoffs, but they wanted to give him a day off here. So Justin Holiday got the start and had a really nice ball game because Malcolm Brogdon sat it out. And of course, Demonis Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb have not played uh, in the resumption and will not play in the resumption. Indy went to a lot of backups, although Victor Oladipo logged 37 minutes. I think they're just working on his conditioning at this point and a nice win for them. Russell Westbrook is out with a quad injury. I'm guessing he'll probably try to play when the playoffs begin, but we shall see. Harden was huge. Rob Covington was great again. 
Uh, he's been he's been a revelation here in the uh, basically since he got traded to Houston, and then everybody else was terrible. I mean, I can't tell you. There are some guys I talked about it with about Devin Booker on yesterday's pod, where you watch guys and now you're starting to think every shot they take is about to go in. Eric Gordon is the opposite guy, where I think every shot Eric Gordon takes is going to clang back rim. I swear, every shot, bong, bong, five for fifteen in this one, six turnovers. Woof. Ugh, what a brutal game. Toronto, comeback win over Philly. Minutes all over the map, so, you know, who cares? Uh, Chris Boucher making, kind of auditioning to get more minutes next season right now. He he's, needs to be quiet here. or <laughs> going to blow up that number as well. Uh, Philly, they uh, they also split their minutes up in this ballgame. Joel Embiid uh, hurt his hand uh, on a Marcus Ole rip-through. Ended up sitting out the last roughly two and a half quarters of this ballgame. So, um, yeah, I mean, once he was out, Philly didn't quite have the same punch. Tobias Harris had another solid ball game, although he missed miss some free throws. Furkin Korkmaz was decent. I mean, this is like, you know, this is why putting any measurable amount of dollars on these resumption games is, is such a crapshoot because you go just straight into silly season. You got like three games where it's not silly season and then five games where it is. That's not a great wager to make. Tyler Hero played 38 minutes, scored 30 points for Miami. Everybody else decided to take the day off for the most part. Duncan Robinson played 16 minutes and had 19 points. That's a great ball game. Goran Dragic, 16-5-6 and in 22 minutes on the Oklahoma City side. Same story. Nobody played more than 25 minutes. Uh, teams are just, they've gone into a new mode here, with the exception, somehow, of the Clippers, because Kawhi Leonard played 33 minutes. Paul George played 36. It looked like they were going into playoff tune-up mode. And they look good. Ivica Zubac continues to play very well. He's been an excellent resumption grab with Montrez never getting back into the bubble. No Pat Beverly, no Landry Shamit. So that was good news for Lou Williams. And on the Denver side, we need Jeremy Grant to calm down. Calm down, dude. Calm down, man. I need everybody to forget about you. One of our little sleeper guys for next year. Nikola Jokic, lower minute total as well. That was uh, that, one, that one's going to hurt because we had him really high on our board and he just hasn't he hasn't had to do as my in Denver hasn't really tried very hard during this resumption. No Will Barton, no Gary Harris again. Michael Porter Jr. slowed by some very good defenders in Kawhi and Paul George. Will that take any of the shine off of him for next season? I frankly doubt it. And that is your pod. Please take a moment to drop a five star review on the show, everybody. Please do sign up for an account at mybookie.ag with promo code Hoopball. Go get a lawnmower with promo code Hoopball20. Follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Big fat thank you once again to Adam King, our guest on this show. Tomorrow, we'll wrap up the week uh, with no guest, actually. I think tomorrow is going to be guestless. Early next week, we will have Brandon Marcus back on the show. Happy to bring back the illustrious Brandon Day. Haven't had that in a little bit. Uh, and then we'll talk to Brew, I think, later next week as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. So uh, again, tomorrow, last day of the seeding games. We'll have the weekend off. Playoffs begin early next week. Enjoy your Thursday night. We will talk to you tomorrow. I think that's it, right? Toodaloo. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.